What a beautiful song that is. What a beautiful country we live in. We are blessed. Man, we get so selfish and we complain. I don't like gas prices either. <laughs> I don't like the price of food at the store, and I may not be 100% happy with the politicians in place, but thank God for the country that we live in. It is a beautiful place. And I want to take time this July 4th, since it falls on a Sunday, I want to take time here and speak a little bit about that. I think it's good and I think it's right to do so. You know, sometimes people can say we need to keep politics, we need to keep the, you know, the affairs of the state, we need to keep all that national stuff out. I say, how can we when God has blessed us so much to live here? So... I'd like to do that a little bit this morning. Can you take your Bibles and turn them to the book of 2 Chronicles? Now, that's going to be in the Old Testament. It's going to be before Psalms, and you'll start seeing books like First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel. First and Second Chronicles are right after that. And I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And if you would, let's all stand as we read the text together. We want to stand to honor God, honor His Word. We believe this Bible is important. We believe it is a very living Word of God. And, and every word that it says is true, so we want to reverence it when we read it together. Second Chronicles, not Second Corinthians. If you're in the New Testament, go back. Second Chronicles, chapter 7. I want to start reading in verse 12. We're going to read verse 12 through verse 16. Second Chronicles 7 and verse 12 says this. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour, to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, listen now, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, and my ears attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. I want to talk to you a little bit about the healing of a nation. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you and we thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for this opportunity to sing praise to you and to look into your word. Lord, I ask now that you would remove the distractions from our minds, the things that might take our, our minds and our hearts off of what you say here, Lord, and help me to speak clearly as you would have me to. I ask you, Lord, that you would do a work among us, that we might go from this place and share it with those around about us. And they may come to know you as well, Lord. Please just move as you see fit. I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So today's a pretty special day. It's the birth of our nation. We turn 245 years old now. And I think that's a, a big blessing. As I mentioned at the, the outset, I think it's a blessing to live here. I think this is a beautiful country. 
There's no other nation quite like it with the scenery that's around us. You can just drive a couple hours and you can see the ocean. You could see uh, the mountains. Some people like to see the desert. I just skip right on past that, keep going to some more green place. Or you could go to places like Bryce Canyon or Zion, some breathtaking places. Carmel by the sea and... Uh, oh, forgot it. That national park that's right there on the ocean. It'll come to me later. Beautiful places, right? There's no other nation that quite has things like that. Big Sur, see? Takes a while, but it's in there. You can see places like that. It's beautiful. But it's not just beautiful for those reasons. It's beautiful for other reasons. We are a free people. We are free to make a living for ourselves. We're free to be successful, but more importantly, we're free to worship God. And that makes this nation beautiful and worthy of celebrating. And what I would like to do this morning is consider just a few principles for the time that we have uh, that we can pull from the passage before us because in reality we really need them. We desperately need them today. We need some healing in our nation. Now, as always, when you're studying Scripture, you have to be aware that what the context is. So when we come to Second Chronicles and we open this book, what we're reading is a historical account. Solomon, who is a real guy, David's son, just finished building this massive, beautiful temple. It's, man, I wish I could see it, the, the beauty that's there. It's like lined with gold and, and all these kind of precious stones. Beautiful place to worship God. And, and in the chapters right before this, he gives this wonderful prayer. This prayer of dedication. And then in chapter 6, the glory of God comes down and it fills the temple like God says, yeah, this is good, I'm moving in. <laughs> this, is, this is my house now. And it's just this amazing uh, scene that we have. And in our text today, God comes to him later that night and he has some things to say to Solomon. He, he gives him a warning. He gives him some cautions and some instructions. So we need to set that out there, and I want to be a faithful Bible teacher and say, no, this passage is not directly talking about America, okay? It's talking about Israel and some things that happened then and some things that will happen when he comes back. But let's, let's, let's understand that doesn't, that doesn't mean that nothing here applies to us. In fact, it, there's a lot of things that apply to us this morning here in 2021, facing the climate that we do here in this church in Southern California in America. There are things that apply. In fact, doesn't Paul say in Romans chapter 15, whatever things were written before time were written for our learning. They teach us. They give us hope. They instruct us. So there's some principles that we do well to learn, and I want to just simply share with you a few things that struck my heart this morning. You probably saw verse 14 bouncing around Facebook over the past year. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. You probably saw a lot of that being reposted and posted during the pandemic, right? People wanting, whatever's going on, they want it to stop. They want healing, like physically, they want this virus to stop. So let's pray and let's repent. I saw it bounce around all the time. Along with some other things that were going on, some things in nature and 
just seems like God took the world and shook it up a couple times and then set it back down. There was a, a lot of that going on. Our, our attention, as it, has, as it sometimes does during hard times, our attention was all of a sudden turned back to God. I remember 9-11 when it happened. I remember watching it on the TV. Pretty scary, right? Pretty impacting, world-changing. And I remember the days after that when all of a sudden there was a greater attention to God, kind of like this last thing we've gone around. There's been a greater attention to God during hard times. So I saw verses like this popping around, and I don't see it quite as much. I don't know if that's because some of the tension is is easing, but you might be familiar with this verse, and you might be wondering what it has to do with July 4th. And let me just get into it and say our land, our country, needs some healing. We need some healing this morning. I've already said I love this country. I love this country. I love this state. I love this county. I love this city. I love the liberties and I love the opportunities that we have here, not only put in place some 250 years ago by men and women with a backbone. Can you imagine what that would have been like? We're coming here to this new land, and you know what? We're declaring, our, we're declaring ourselves independent. We're a new country. Get out of here, England. Nobody mess with us. We're Americans now. <laughs> wow. That takes some backbone. That takes some strength. I'm thankful they did that. You're not going to tell us how to worship. We worship how we see fit. You're not going to tax us to death. We tax ourselves to death. Well, that came later, but... We're going to manage ourselves, right? I'm thankful for that happening 250 years ago. I'm thankful for the men and women over the course of those 245 years that have shed their own blood, put their, life, their lives in the line of danger to defend those freedoms. I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for this country. Our Constitution has within it uh, very careful safeguards placed within it to to protect God-given rights. It's not the Constitution that gives us those rights. God gave us those rights. Our Constitution protects those. Our founding fathers saw that. And though I may not agree with them on every point of doctrine, I know that they are theists, those who believed in God, who understood who God is, and the primacy of of Scripture and its moral and societal effect. These things are woven into our nation. America is unlike any other place. But, beloved, we've fallen far. We've fallen far. There's a sickness in the land. And it's time we ought to start praying and praying hard for God to heal it. That's what we need. We need His healing touch on the land around us, on society, on people. Because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see something isn't right. Something is not right. There's some wicked things going on. We live in a scarred land, a wounded land. And I'm not talking environmentally. I'm talking people. People are divided. They're hurting. They're angry. You see that, right? They're at total polar opposites. It used to be if you disagreed with somebody, you could agree to disagree, right? Democrat, Republican, um, 
whatever. You could agree to disagree, and you could still have a relationship, you could still do business, you, you could still exist with one another and be fine. That's not that way anymore, is it? If you don't believe the way I do about every single thing, then you're evil. That's the tone of the day. That is a wounded land. That is not what we're about as Americans. Listen, I hold the, the, the right to freely worship deer. And I hold that deer for everyone. Whether it be the Muslim, whether it be the Buddhist, whether it be the non-religious guy or the atheist or the Baptist. I hold the right to choose that freely dear. And so, you know what? I may not agree with some of those other beliefs, but with God's help, I'll stand to defend that freedom because it's that same freedom that allows me to freely worship and speak and, doing, and do what I'm doing here today, to stand and preach. We can, we can exist side by side with a difference of opinion, but that has gone away today. You're evil if you don't believe. You're mean. You're, you're hateful if you don't believe and support the same thing I do. See, there's, there's some scars and some wounds that are out there. These United States, in many ways, are less united than ever. It makes you wonder, what happened? Well, you've got to understand just a couple things. You've got to understand the sinfulness of our own heart. We can do some bad things by ourselves. I don't need help getting into trouble. I can find it for myself. <laughs> and from the very get-go, when you see with Cain and Abel, man has had this desire to go his own way. I want to do my own thing. I'm going to build my own little empires, and I'm not going to listen to God. There's been this desire in man to rebel against the Bible, rebel against God's Word, and to, to, uh, to worship the idol of self. That's what the Tower of Babel's all about. That's what every false god has been about. And I want to say right now, self, my wants, my feelings, has always been man's number one supreme idol. Why do you think Eve ate the fruit? Why do you think Adam ate the fruit? Because they wanted to be like God. It's pride, it's self that has always gotten us in trouble and it will always get us in trouble. And beloved, we live in the age of self, don't we? I want to do, I want to feel, I want to worship, I want to fill in the blank like I want to. And don't tell me any different. If you think about it, you look at all the hot button issues out there, it boils down to that. I want to do what I want to do. I'm the master of my own life. Don't tell me any different. That is the worship of self. And there has been placed in our very founding of this nation safeguards against that. Things like uh, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all men are created equal. You, you understand when it talks about God-given rights like that, that does safe, those are safeguards. That's why the silliness of racism and the silliness of things like that, they're not even American ideas. 
All men are created equal. That's what it says in the founding document of our nation. And that is to safeguard against prideful thinking on one color or the other to, th- to look down on a fellow human being. I've said it many times. I'll say it till I'm dead. There is one race, the human race, made in the image of Adam and all of us God loves and sent His Son to redeem us from our sin. Period. End of story. There might be different colors. There might be different cultures. There might be a bunch of different things. But in the end, we are all one race made in the image of God. Our founding fathers understood that and they put in their safeguards against that. But when you start ignoring those and following self, well, then you can go just about down any silly path you could think of. So, listen. Before we blame anybody else for the state of the nation... Look right here, because we all do that, don't we? When we start to erase God from all parts of our culture and to replace His laws with laws of self-worship, we pay the price and look where we are today. But it's not just Him. There's another motive going on, and that is a satanic motive. Listen, Bible's clear. Satan is real. He's out there. He's working Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle or we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers, the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's talking about like Satan and demons and things they're doing behind the scenes. Things that have been at work in every empire, whether it's the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, all these big, huge empires... Well, when you have a a, a superpower nation come on the scene like us that stands for religious liberty and stands for freedom, one that says, in God we trust, and one that weaves biblical morality into the laws, don't you think Satan is going to set his sight on that? Oh, you bet he is. Do you realize the opportunities the gospel has been given because of this nation? You think Satan likes that? No. And slowly but surely he's been working, and now it's not behind the scenes anymore. It's full bore. Man, I'm talking about things that are happening that I would not have even dreamed of just two or three or four years ago. Look who's running for governor. (laughs) Look who. Look at the things that are being introduced behind the scenes into our children's curriculum at a kindergarten, first, second, third grade level. It's crazy. Now, we as this church see this happening. Let me say this. There's no doubt our nation needs healing. The divides, the hatred out there, the wickedness going on. The nation, America, needs healing. Now, we as the church see this happening. We see the downward spiral and we see the corruption and all that and it should bother us. I think what has, what has happened is too long we've stuck our head in the sands. And we're going to stay uninvolved. Patriotism, patriotism, politics have no place in the church. You, you realize that, that flag right there would bother a lot of old school people. That shouldn't be in the church, you know. Why is, you shouldn't mix the church and state that way of thinking has allowed some damage to be done. We ought to be 
speaking out on these things. Saying, you know what? This is what God says about the family. This is what God says about marriage. This is what God says about equality of man. All these things that are going on. We should have been, and we ought to be now, standing up and say, just as the old prophets did in the Old Testament, this is what the Lord says. Because this is what we need. This is what we're built on. I'm not saying America is like this promised land or millennial kingdom, if you understand what Scripture says, but I believe it sure is a wonderful place. And there's some amazing blessings, I believe, have come from the hand of God. So, that's the question. There is a need for healing of the land. How does that happen? How can healing happen with the land? Well, let me just address a couple, because there's a lot of ideas. There's so many thoughts on what this nation should do to, to, to be restored. Let me tell you how healing will not occur. Healing will not occur by continuing to eliminate God and Scripture from the fabric of our nation. That will not, which is what some want at all costs. They don't want to hear God. They don't want to read about God, whether it's on our money, it's in our courthouses, it's in our schools. They want it all gone. They want it silent. And if you want to do that, you do that in the privacy of your own home or the privacy of your own church, but you be quiet about it in public. That is not going to work. That's going to unravel us further. Psalm 9:17: The wicked shall be turned into hell and the nations that forget God. It's a downward path that ends in destruction. Follow any major empire in history. And you can watch them go down the further that they separate themselves from biblical principles. Romans chapter 1 outlines it. We don't have time for that this morning. And quite frankly, we as a nation have been on that path for some time. We're straight up walking away from God and we don't care. And may I say, I think God has tried to send us some wake-up calls lately. Hey guys, hey guys, what are you doing? You keep walking away from me. Look what it says. You're still at the text there. Look what it says in verse 13. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, meant to wake them up, and just maybe some things that we've faced over, let's just say the past one or two years, maybe those are wake-up calls from God to say, oh, hold on, guys. You need to stop and think about what you're doing. It's time you start coming back to me. God can do that, and God has done that. Whether we listen or not is the key. Because so many are not getting the message. In fact, they're getting mad at God for what's happening, and they're running even stronger the other way. The answer is not to go farther away as a country, but to go back to God back to our foundations. Can I say that social justice is not going to be the healing answer either? The idea of righting every perceived wrong in society. Now let me just say, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. And the church ought to be involved in standing up. Standing up against racism. Standing up against hatred. Standing up for the unborn. Standing up for the family things that are going on that are wrong. We ought to be out there involved. But the problem is, 
Too many churches have taken up this path and have aligned themselves with organizations that sound good, but at the core, they are very much anti-God and anti-Bible. And we cannot make the world perfect by making everybody feel validated and safe and accepted regardless of how they live, sinful or not. Excusing and defending sin is not the answer. And there's, there's other ways, there's other movements that say they have the answer. The way that America can be brought together again, you hear them all around. What's the question that we want to answer? What is going to heal? Quite frankly, there's only one answer. It's the gospel that will heal America. The gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, my God and my Savior. The message that He took my sins and your sins to that cross and He gave His life so that we might be saved. Not reformed, not, not retransformed, but saved. Born again in faith in His blood. His blood was shed so that we can have eternal life. True change does not come any other way. True change in this country is not going to come through some program or some diet or some method of living so we can be better. No. True change comes to you. True change comes to me. True change will come to this nation by believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins. That's the only answer. The life that He gives us when we believe in Him. You know that moment when you realize you're a sinner? That moment when you realize you face the judgment of God for everything that you've done and everything that you've said, every thought against Him? When you realize you stand to answer for that eternally, you stand to pay the wages of sin, which is death. And you turn and you see Jesus Christ on that cross as He took your place and bore your sins and gave your life, gave His life for yours so that you might be forgiven, when you see that and you realize that and you turn to Him and believe, I believe Jesus died for me, at that moment something happens. Your sins are forgiven and the Scripture says you are born again spiritually. There's an eternal change that happens. We pass from death to life. We're born again spiritually, made new in His likeness, made new to live a new life now. You ask anyone that has a testimony of salvation, and they'll tell you that change occurred when they believed in Him. That there was guilt, there was the burden of sin, and when we turned to Jesus and we believed in Him, that burden was lifted. And man, we've got a joy and a peace that we can't quite express by words way down deep in our heart, because I know I am forgiven. I know I have an eternal home in heaven because of what Jesus did for me on that cross. There is an eternal change that happens. One that nothing else but faith in Christ can do. It is the gospel that brings that change because it tells us of our Savior. It's the gospel that you need to know this morning, for it's the gospel that's going to bring true healing in your life, and I pray that you do know. I can look back to a time in my life when I was eight years old in my parents' bedroom that I bowed on my knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me. I believed in my heart, I confessed with my mouth, and what does the Scripture say? Thou shalt be what? Saved. 
I believed. I was saved. And you ask any other person in this building of their testimony, you'll hear the same thing. Maybe different circumstances. Maybe a different place. Maybe a different timing. But when it comes down to it, they knew they were a sinner. They believed in their heart on Jesus. And what happened? Salvation came. I got a new life. I got a home in heaven. I may not get it right. (laughs) I may not do the right things. And there's some things the Lord calls us to, for sure. But I know whatever may happen here in this life now, whether I get sick, I get cancer, I get killed in a car accident, or I'm alive and I see the sky split and our Lord come home, I know one thing for sure. Because I believed in the Lord Jesus some 30 years ago, when I, my eyes close in death, I will be in heaven because of what He's done for me. I pray you can say the same thing. That you have realized you're a sinner, that you have believed on Jesus who died on that cross and rose again for your salvation, and that you know that you are forgiven. That's going to bring the healing. And I don't care what kind of lifestyle you find yourself in, whether you're drug addicted or alcohol soaked or homeless on the street or the richest guy and you think you're the most moral person. It doesn't matter. All men need to be saved. All men and women. All man needs to be saved. We all need it because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. I pray that you know that this morning. Because that's what you need. That's what this nation needs. The the nation doesn't need political reform, though we could really use some. (laughs) That's not what it ultimately needs. It needs the gospel. This nation needs the gospel. We've got to hurry up. We've got just a couple minutes left. Look at verse 14 again, if you could. Look at what the Lord calls for. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, humility, and pray, prayer, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, that's repentance. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. He calls for humility, for prayer, for seeking for him, for repentance. Repentance is what's needed. And I want to just spend a a few seconds with that because that's a biblical concept that has been largely erased. We need to repent of our sin. You know what that means? Turning away from sin, seeing it for what it is, and turning to Him. Which means we stop doing what we used to do and now we're going to follow Him. What did Jesus say? Hey, just... Keep doing what you're doing and believe the gospel. Jesus came on the scene. John the Baptist came on the scene. What is the first thing they say? Repent and believe the gospel. We turn away from sin. We go to Him. And by the way, that doesn't stop just because we believed. There's some things in our life maybe we need to stop doing and turn to Him. All these things we're going to mention need to start with us first. Perhaps there's some things we as the people of God need to repent of first. Maybe we need to be a little bit more humble because we've become too prideful. And we stand in our church houses and we stand in our holy little homes and look down at everything that's going on and say, how could they do that? It's pretty easy to do, isn't it? Oh, how could they? I would never do that. You know who says that? The Pharisee. Standing in the temple while the guy who's 
who's really stricken by his sin, the publican says, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. But the self-righteous guy standing over there says, well, I'm t- thank God I'm not like him. We done that? Probably. Probably. I read a, a passage of Scripture for the Scripture reading this morning when we started. And I want to turn your attention back to it. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's talking to us and he says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So my question is, are we so busy being self-righteous that we're not praying for those around us, including our leaders? Are you praying for the president you don't like? Are you praying for the governor that you can't stand? Because to do so is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Who wants who to be saved? All men to be saved. And all means all, beloved. From the president to the governors to the senate to you name it. God wants them to be saved. And we ought to be praying along those lines. <laughs> Have you truly prayed for that? Because that's the Christian thing to do. You know, Jesus witnessed to Pilate. Jesus spent time with Nicodemus. Maybe we ought to pray for our leaders some more. It says we ought to seek His face. That means it's a, that's just a beautiful term that means to look for His will in all things. Where are you, God? Show me and follow what he, he shows us. and Maybe we've been too wrapped up in our own pursuits and seeking our will more than we have God's will because I think He would have lead us to be a little bit more loving, be a little bit more involved. Have we turned from our own wicked ways? Do you know that willful silence with the gospel, being quiet when you know you should witness, Willful silence with the gospel, willful ignorance and rejection of what God calls us to do in just the simple things, that's just as bad as any other sin you can name. We like to categorize. Like, these are the really bad people, and I'm part of the not-so-bad people over here. Sin is sin is sin. And if we sin by not doing what God calls us to do, it's just as bad. You know that, right? So who are we to look down? Who are we to... Uh, shame anyone else. You know what? If, if there's going to be healing in the land, maybe we ought to start repenting within our own hearts first. Why? Because it's got to start here. Let's move to a close now. Listen, 
Here's what I'm saying, and hopefully this is all clear and, and understandable. The healing that our land needs today is going to come from us. It's going to come from the people of God. God is the source, of course. We're the agents of that healing. We're the ones bringing that healing to the people around us. Because the things that we talked about, some of the things that we're talking about, how can we expect the world around us, how can we expect the nation around us to understand these things? Some people have never heard it. But you and I, we know the power of God to change our lives, don't we? We know the peace. We know the joy that He brings. That's beyond anything that this world, that this nation can offer. We know that. We've experienced it. And we know that that is the fix. That's the fix for the racial issues. That's the fix for the hatred issues. That's the fix for the community issues. That's the fix for the family. That's why God gives us the church where He says there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. The church is the fix for the broken society. And we have a calling to tell the world, don't we? I seem to remember some pretty simple words but some pretty important words that Jesus said. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them everything I've commanded you. And as you go, I'm going to be with you to the end. It's called the Great Commission, right? Did we forget that? We look around and we say, oh man, this nation's hurting. Things are messed up. Good, go! <laughs> Go, we've got the fix. And we've got God going with us. If healing's going to come, it's because the people of God are out there telling them what God can do for you and how God has changed my life and how much He loves you. How else will they know unless we tell them? Romans chapter 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. People need to be told, and we need to tell them. What America needs today is for the church to be bold with the Bible, and bold and unashamed of the Gospel. Because that's what's going to bring true healing. They don't, need, they don't need my political views. They don't need my money views. They need God's Word and God's Gospel because that is the power of salvation to all who believe, as Romans chapter 1 says. And notice, notice something here with me. We're going to finish up. Look at, back at the text. Look at verse 12. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and says, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. He says, this temple, that's where I'm going to be at. And the New Testament is clear in Ephesians chapter 2 and other places that we are built together for a house of God through the Spirit, built up to grow into a holy temple to the Lord. That's us. But God says, you know what? I'm going to be with them. 
And notice verse uh, 15. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. The white house is not a sanctified house. The church house is. The white house doesn't necessarily draw the attention of God, but you better believe His children when they pray in His house have all of His eyes and all of His ears. His ears and His eyes as they were, are open and watching to our prayer, listening to the petitions we bring before them. And he's saying, you guys, just humble yourself and seek my face. Turn away from your sin. And if you people, my people who are called by my name will do that, I will heal their land. So the question is, have we? Have we prayed along that line? Or have we not? Let me just end by this, saying this. (laughs) You might look out there and all that's going on and you might feel a little overwhelmed. Oh, that we would realize we're not some dejected, helpless, ineffective group of people. Because that's what the world wants us to think. Satan wants us to think that nobody's going to listen. We're useless in this fight. We have no power. So just stay quiet and everything will be fine. That's wrong. That's dead wrong. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We are God's people, are we not? Who have His ear and who go in His power. I hope you realize that today. We have the message that changes people's eternities. And if we would be bold with the gospel and with the truth of the word, we could see people's lives changed. We could see the bonds of sin broken. We could see lives ruined by addiction restored. We could see hearts full of hate warmed by the love of God as the gospel changes them. We could see broken families healed, broken lives healed, broken communities healed, one soul at a time if we would share the gospel. And if churches across this great land would be bold in the same way, we could see a broken nation healed, couldn't we? All that because the power of God working through us as we share the Word of God with others. Yes, America needs healing and America needs the church of God to be bold in bringing it. So the question for you this morning and question for me is, will we? It's too easy to stand back and watch the destruction and throw out comments. To stay wrapped up in our own business and let the rest of the nation go to hell in a handbasket. And stand back and say, I told you so. (laughs) How about we get out there and start snatching some people from those roads? And say, hey, let me tell you about the Savior. Let me tell you about the gospel that can change your life. No, I think it's time we stand back up again. It's time the pulpits ring loud and clear with the saving message of the gospel. It's time the communities know who our churches are. And it's time we start praying for healing of our land. So as we celebrate our nation's birthday today, and maybe you've got a barbecue or for some family time, we can watch some people blow some stuff up. Take time to reflect on why we do that. Of the wonderful liberties that we have. 
of the things that we hold so dear that are actually under attack. Thank God for, for those liberties. And at the same time, pray for healing for this nation. And those people that might be there with you, who maybe don't believe in God, why don't you pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them? Tell them how much God loves them and how He wants to save them from their sins and give them an eternity in heaven. And then throughout the week, do the same. And share the gospel with love, but share it boldly because we know how it can change lives. Pray that God will give the open door and soften hearts and you pray hard for that. After all, isn't He listening? How else will healing come to this nation? So let's listen to these principles today. Let's pray that God would cement them and light them on fire within our own heart. And then let's go give them to others. Let's pray. Father, I ask for your blessing on this message, Lord. I thank you for the blessing of this nation. Just the unbelievable liberties and the unbelievable opportunities that you have gracefully given us and afforded your people, Lord, and afforded all people around us. Lord, as we see things happening that, that cause us dismay and we see the nation going a different way from you, Lord, please help us to boldly stand and proclaim the gospel, proclaim your truth and the truth of your love and the truth that you have given us in this Bible, Lord, that we as the church would be the loudest voice in that. Lord, give us the open doors. Give us the souls that need to be saved and help us to stand boldly and share the gospel and be the agents of healing that you have called us to be, Lord. Not so self-focused that we're only wrapped up in ourselves, Lord, but seeing that there is a, a lost and dying land around us, Lord, that needs the life that only you can give. Help us, Lord. Help us to be bold. Help our nation bring healing Even if there's someone here, Lord, that does not know you as Savior, maybe they have a heart that is broken or a heart that is hurting. You see and you know, Lord, I pray that you would show them their sin. At the same time, show them cross, Christ crucified on the cross for their sins, Lord, that they would turn in faith, confess their sins, and believe in, in Jesus. You lead and you use these words as only you see fit, Lord. We give you all the glory. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.